Super Talk Mississippi Media Production. You're listening to Thunder and Lightning on Super Talk Mississippi, covering Mississippi State like nobody else. With Sports Talk Mississippi's Brian Haydad and Robbie Falk of 24-7 Sports. Powered by Taylor Construction Equipment. Whether you're looking to rent, lease, buy, or for service, contact Taylor Construction Equipment today at taylorconstructionequipment.com. Now, get ready for Thunder and Lightning. This is Thunder and Lightning here on Super Talk Mississippi. Brian Haydad and Robbie Falk here with you on a Thursday morning. Thanks for joining us here at supertalk.fm. Wherever it is you get podcasts from, we appreciate all you guys out there, our great listeners especially our servicemen and women out there taking care of us. want to thank our sponsors over at Strange Brew Coffeehouse and Churn and Spoon Ice Cream. Start your day the right way with a trip to the drive-thru over at Strange Brew Coffeehouse here in Starkville or Brupolo over in Tupelo. It'd be a little weird, Robbie, if uh, Brupolo was in Conhatta. That's Conhatta. Is it? Okay. See, this is, why is. Like, that's why I like doing these little cities. I learn things every time. Conhatta is, I believe... The Indian Reservation? Is it? Yeah. Is it in Neshoba? Um, it's right outside of um Decatur? Philadelphia. It's right, it's right in between Decatur and Scott Sebastopol. County. Okay. Sebastopol, yeah. 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 I've been through there many times. I used to go through I used to ride through there to go to my future wife's house when yeah, it is on the road to forest yeah i've seen that. yeah so it, i mean you go through decatur you can go with the backwoods there to, to come ahead and there you go there it is all right well it's the indian Re- reservation i believe it would be weird then if if strange if brupolo was there would be but they i mean they need their coffee hey well then i got great news there's not, there's not a whole lot of like gas station slash coffee houses in conahatta i believe that well, good news for them. All they've got to do is go to strangebrewcoffeehouse.com, and they can order it for delivery right to their door. Whatever kind of coffee machines on the front counter at their house, they got you covered at strangebrewcoffeehouse.com. College Corner, collegecornerstore.com is the place to find the maroon and white merchandise that you are looking for, whatever it is. It doesn't have to just be clothes, although they have an incredible selection of polos and hats, T-shirts, everything you need. But they also have great stuff for the uh, for the house, for the car, for your, uh, for, for, you know, just for gift ideas. They got everything. So check them out. CollegeCornerStore.com is the online shop, or you can shop at their two locations in the Jackson area. They're in Ridgeland by Fleet Feet. They're in Flowood by the Half Shell. Restaurant Tyler, Starkville's best restaurant. I am sure that place is going to be buzzing all weekend long, especially, you know, we've told you about their lunch. We told you about their, their, their dinners. But Sunday of this week, Super Bulldogs uh, Sunday, when this town is packed, that Sunday brunch is going to be a hard ticket to get. So get there early and get a table for the best brunch in town. They've got everything. And if you want the breakfast side of brunch, if you want the bruh, they've got you. If you want the unch, they've got you at Restaurant Tyler. It's great, and you definitely want to get it this weekend at Restaurant Tyler. Priority One Bank, 16 locations throughout central Mississippi, ready to serve you. Go to the Priority One Bank I'll go to PriorityOneBank.com to find the one nearest you and start building a relationship with your local branch. That way, when you need to make a, de- a decision on a loan, they're making a decision with people they know. And they've got that relationship built with you. We talk about it all the time. Shop local, eat local, banking local, just as important. Let Priority One Bank make you their priority. 
We're going to split Super Bulldog weekend in, in kind of two podcasts. We're going to do football today, spring game preview today. Tomorrow we'll talk baseball and the big series with Ole Miss. I, I wonder when I think about this spring game if it's going to be a situation where people are going to be disappointed for no good reason. Does that make sense? Where they're going to see well, that, things that happens a lot in this fan base. Yeah, you're not wrong about that, but people are going to, you know, I, th- I think you know the, the transition to what Kevin Barbe wants to do. I think that you're going to see, you know, some starters are not going to play in this game, and I think you know if, if Rogers, you know, let's just say his stat line, let's just, is like ten for seventeen. People are going to be like, ah, he's not as accurate. This isn't working. I, I feel like that's going to happen, and I feel like it shouldn't happen. Because this is still a, a work in progress. This is still a a, pro, a process to get everybody where they want them to be this fall. I have no doubt they'll get there, but it's still early in that process. Yeah, and what's what's this spring game going to look like too? Like, what's the you know we've seen so many different formations of this you know the spring games. We've seen them run on a you know fifty yard field with a stage in the other end zone. Oh, yeah. We've seen them count defensive scores as, um, or you know, get this offense versus defense. The defense gets a score for stop. We've seen them do situations. Is this going to be a real game? Mm-hmm. That that's kind of the big thing for me. Like, what can you take away from it? Is it going to be? Are you going to be in position to take something away from it? Right. Or is it going to be a glorified practice, which a lot of these are? Um, you know, that that's kind of the biggest thing. Is like you know. How you how you look at it, how how it's set up, and how you can kind of determine what you're watching. And I think Arnett wants this to be as much of a actual game as it can be. I get the yeah. I get the impression that he wants it to be okay. We're going to uh, really make it work as a a game as much as we can in this situation. And if that's the case, you know, then you you know you might be able to actually see a spring game and take something away from it. Yeah, and I, I want to see that. I think I think everybody wants to see that. And I, I don't think you judge this too harshly. Mm-hmm. I don't think you come away from this saying, gosh, you know, this offense doesn't look very good, or right. you know, I'm really worried about the defense. I, yeah. I don't think you can really put a microscope on this game and really break down what Mississippi State's going to look like next year. But I do think that we can look at this game and say, you know, I've, you know this offense, I like the formations that we're seeing. You know, I, I like the fact that, they're incorporating the run, but also a little more explosiveness in the passing game. That that's that, I think that's what people want to see. They want to see mm-hmm. at least a hint of some exciting things to come. I, I don't think anybody that's truly followed this team closely or followed sports closely is going to come into this game and make any kind of you know one hundred percent declarations based on what they see. Yeah. But I do think that you need to do something to excite the crowd a little bit, excite get the fan base a little excited about what's to come. I think, you know, you remember Mullen's first home game where like the first play was that double reverse pass. Yes. And I've always that thought, was incomplete, you know, but it was still it was like incomplete, but really it was exciting. it was like it was just a, a message to the fans. Like it's it it's over now. We're not we're we're doing things differently, and you you can trust me in that. I think you may see something sort of similar in this spring game, and you might see something similar when we get to, to the Southeast Louisiana game, where, like, if, if I'm if I'm Barbe, you know, first play, I'm I'm going to go play action and go over the top to Tulu or something like that. Yeah, like I think that could be, you know, just just to give the fans a little, okay, this is what 
This is what Mississippi State's going to do. And then, you know, I'm interested to see what Mike Wright does in this game. You know, if you heard uh, my interview yesterday with uh, Zach Arnett, gave me a little grief about, you know, me asking about Mike Wright. But that's a, you know, legit question. I don't know how much we'll see of Mike Wright beyond actually just playing normal quarterback tomorrow. Or, or as you're listening, I guess, on Saturday. Um, I don't know how much we're going to see from, you know, Tulu Griffin and, and Xavion Thomas and those guys from a running perspective. I think it'll be kind of bland and kind of blasé, but at the same time, it's going to be different because they're going to run the football a good bit. There's going to be a lot more play action. We're going to see the different formations that this this team has to offer. The thing to consider when we're talking about this offense is they're going to be going up against a pretty veteran defense, especially on that on the you know the front side of it. And now we might get to see something, you know, on the secondary because there's so many new faces back there. So that could be a, a situation where, you know, they state has some success in the passing game there because there's just so many new faces back there. And there's again, they're still trying to figure things out there. Yeah. And I still think that there's a possibility that they get even more help out of the portal. Mm-hmm. I, I, agree. Don't think, I don't agree. think that's, a, I don't think that's out of the question. So, I mean, the secondary is still a work in progress. I think that's important for people to understand. Like don't, Come in, don't come into the spring game and see a couple of those guys get burnt and say, here we go again. Or, right. you know, the secondary is going to be trash. I mean, let, let it play out a little bit. I, I still think that there's a chance that group can be really good. You're talking about, you know, Kamari Rogers is, is a month into um, yeah. his, his stay here. There's no Isaac Smith, who I think can really help this defense in the fall. Um, you know, you have, Marcus Banks moving over from cornerback to safety. Let it play out a little bit. Let's see what they can do back there before we start really kind of freaking out. And they might have a great game. I don't, I don't know. Yeah. But I, I just, you know, spring games can always bring out the best and the worst. Agreed. And it's important to realize, you know, this is basically a glorified practice. And someone looking bad could mean that the offense is looking good. Mm-hmm. Um or it could mean, mean the defense is bad. You, it's just very difficult to take away something like that. That's why I would like to see some games against other people. Yeah, I've I've always been, you know, for that uh, because then you can really kind of measure yourself against someone else, mm-hmm. and um, it, you can t- you can take away a little more than that. I mean, this always kind of leaves open the opportunity to say, well, you know, they had success on offense because the defense stinks, mm-hmm. or vice versa. Who or what are you excited to see tomorrow on Saturday? I'm excited to see the offense. I, I just want to see the differences in this offense compared to what we've seen for the last three years. I think we're going to see more pace. And, you know, people have tried to make this offense out to be uh, a glorified wing T. Oh, my goodness. And it's not. I mean, this is this is going to be an offense that's going to play with tempo. It's going to be an offense that's going to open up some explosive plays in the passing game. Yes, they're going to run the ball more than they did in the air raid, but literally everyone runs the ball more than Mississippi State did in the air raid. Air raid uh, teams run more than Mississippi State. Exactly. Yeah, I mean, so it could – I mean, whatever change you made in the offense, even if you were running the air raid, you were probably going to run – more than you did than in Mike Leach's air rate. Mm-hmm. So um, I'm, I'm excited to see what that looks like. Is there a particular player that you'll have an eye on? Uh, I want, I want to see Tulu Griffin in this offense, what they do with him. 
Mm-hmm. I feel like that's the default answer, but it's, it's it a good is. one. That, that's the safe answer. But, yeah. you know, I've been excited about what I've seen from some of the new running backs. Seth Davis is a guy that's really exciting back there. I think he can have some uh, big moments in the spring game. I think, you know, Jordan Mosley was a guy that I mentioned. I was going to say him. He was kind of my get my dark horse in the offseason, a guy that we haven't been talking about that we will be talking about. He could be a guy that steps in and has a, has some big plays as well. And then, you know, on the defensive side, I, I want to see some of those um, secondary guys step up. You got to mm-hmm. have some help there with DeCam Richardson. We've, we've seen a lot of good things so far from uh, Asias Verge, and this is kind of his moment. Mm-hmm. This is a guy that he's been a starter before, but kind of yeah. slipped to the background because other guys moved ahead of him. Well, now he's kind of moved back up, and this is his year. So he has an opportunity to to really spring forward here, no pun intended. <laughs> and this is a this is a big game. This this spring game could could be big for him. He can make some plays here that could really open some eyes. Do you think there's going to be any kind of tribute to Mike Leach Saturday? Uh, or does you know, that's awesome. something where they, they maybe just sort of, you know, have like a moment of silence, but then prior to the first actual game of the season and, 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 and on Labor Day weekend, they have like a real tribute. Yeah. You know, they might bring attention to it. I think it would be a really good idea to have a, a really nice tribute prior to the season mm-hmm. um, or on opening day or whatever. Yeah. I think that would be really cool to do something like that. Um, because had that un- unfortunate event not happened, he would have been coaching that ball game. That's just yeah, uh, no again question. just continues to be just wild to think about. But yeah, I think it that would probably be the better bet. I think. Yeah, like I said, they'll probably there'll obviously will be something along the line. You know, you remember you know when nine eleven happened, it was you know this is our first time to be back together since that they might they might do something along those lines and just have a moment of silence. But I, I think they'll have a full tribute package when we start the season uh in in late august early september i don't i'm not sure the date off the top of my head of of that first saturday i think it's the second but i could be wrong so we'll see but 12 o'clock kick uh here in starkville you know they're talking about huge crowds for baseball so i mean i imagine you could have a pretty decent sized crowd here uh for this spring game which you know they haven't had in recent years but could be the uh the opportunity here to to have a twenty thousand plus crowd. I, i would imagine the number will be 20 22,422 sound about right. Yeah, whatever the score was from the egg put the bowl. egg bowl on there. There you go. Yeah. There yeah, I go. mean, but that many people expected, I mean, they're they're saying that they're probably going to go over 20,000 tickets for the baseball game, which mm-hmm. is which I don't um, understand, but okay. Don't know how they're going to do that, but yeah. if you've got that many people coming, those people need to be inside Davis Wade Stadium. Yeah. You know, so We'll see. We'll see how it plays out. Yeah, uh, I, th- I think you should see a good crowd. I, what's the weather like? Must be nice. Is it? Yeah, I believe. Well, I hope so. I mean, the last time I looked, last was, year it was raining buckets. Yeah, last year. Well, man, Super Bowl all weekend last year was just a disaster. It was Easter weekend, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, baseball series, just just nothing, just you know, poorly planned. I I wonder why that was. Uh-oh. Seventy uh, percent chance of rain. When is when, when is that though? I don't know. Let's see when that is. We that, got a few uh, ga- We got a few days to go, but uh, let's let's not we'll have that happen. 
We'll see. I mean, it's it's getting that time of year where those where storms just pop up, you know, and there's nothing you can do about it. So, all right, let's move on into our SEC wraparound for today. That's brought to you by our friends over at Mississippi Beef Council, who want to remind you that beef it's what's for dinner this weekend. If you're able to fire up the grill, do it with beef. Put some steaks on the grill, put some burgers out there, or go big. Break out the smoker, put a brisket, put a tri tip out there. Something awesome. I was at uh, I was at Kroger today picking up something. And they got a big selection of uh, beef back ribs. I need to get some of those. There, that's that's some easy meat to cook, and it's really really good. They also had a big special going on uh, whole tenderloins. So if I really wanted to to live it up, I could. Uh, but that being said, whatever you're doing this weekend, nothing beats the sizzle of beef on the grill. Check them out. Head to your butchers. Head to your meat markets and grab something. Beef. It's what's for dinner. Thanks to our friends at the Mississippi Beef Council. Two Brothers Smoked Meats in the heart of the Cotton District is the place to find the smoked southern soul food. Robbie and I found that yesterday, and it was delightful. I uh, had my chicken chipotle taco, so my fix my fix is, uh, you know, I'm good for right now. My hands aren't shaking. Uh, we'll see, you know, we'll see how long it lasts. I'll be back there sooner rather than later. I know this weekend they're going to be super busy. Should be Like I said, should be decent weather this weekend, so you can have a chance to get out on the porch, enjoy yourself, have a great time at Two Brothers Smoked Meats. Great products, great service. That's the, uh, every business promises it to you, but who delivers it to you? Advantage Business Systems does, and they have for 48 years. So when you need technology for your business, call Advantage Business Systems. And then if you, uh, you need, if you do need service, you get to call them right back. You talk to the people who made you the sale. You don't talk to a call center on the other side of the world. You don't have to make an appointment with an out of state technician who's going to be there, you know, I don't know, week to 10 days, something like that. No. It's all done here in the state of Mississippi. There's a big difference in the quality of service when you're talking to Mississippi people versus not. So this is this is the business you want to do business with. Call Advantage Business Systems today at 601-362-9192 or visit them online at absms.com. Find out how Advantage Business Systems will help your business do business. The Rogue and the Collegiate Collection at The Rogue. It's the best around. They've got the polos and the quarter zips you're looking for. You need to check them out if you haven't already. I've seen a lot of you guys wearing them. I've had people come up to me and say, look, Brian, I got this at the Rogue. It's fantastic. It's the best It's the best polo I've ever had. That's what, I, that's what I'm trying to tell you guys, that this is high-quality merchandise with the logos that you want. You need, to, you need to invest in it. So head over to the Rogue in Jackson or shop online at therogue.com. Don't live the three-stripe life. Shop at the Rogue. If you're looking for breakfast this weekend, head over to Dolce over at 509 University Drive, and grab breakfast. Bagels and breakfast sandwiches, a whole wide variety of coffees and lattes, everything you're looking for, they've got it there at Dolce. And it's just great stuff. It's a great location. You can sit outside and enjoy the, the cool morning air, which we've had plenty of here in Starville the past few weeks. You need to head over there. Find out what people are talking about at Dolce, 509 University Drive. Earlier today, I talked to Graham Hall. He covers the Florida Gators for Swamp. 24-7, got his thoughts on what I feel is a very interesting football team uh, going into 2023, and I thought his comments on them were very interesting as well. Let's go now to that interview with Graham Hall, Swamp 24-7. Let's continue looking around the SEC, another opponent that Mississippi State doesn't have on the schedule, but I think a very intriguing opponent and our team and a, 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 a program that I have my, we've had our eye on the past few years ever since Dan Mullen went down there uh, from Mississippi State. That's the Florida Gators. Graham Hall joins us now uh, from Swamp 24-7. And Graham, I mean, the first question is kind of obvious. What's the temperature around Billy Napier 
in year two. I mean, this is Florida. Six and seven is not what the Florida Gators are used to, or they're not what they're going to accept. You know, what's what's the situation with him going into his second year in Gainesville? I think the external narrative has been a little bit negative, right? You always have the high after a coaching hire where there's a lot of optimism that there's going to be improvement. And seeing that not necessarily come to fruition on the field last year was a little bit difficult for fans of a Florida program with really, really high expectations for the past three decades, really. That was tough for them to swallow, especially when you looked at now, even more so, the, the fact that they may have had a top five quarterback prospect at the position, uh, a top right guard in Osiris Torrance, a really good defensive tackle, three guys that are probably going to go within the first 60 picks, two potential first-round picks right there, and you go six and seven, I think that that was tough for a lot of people. This year, there's even been some more drama from Jaden Rashada losing three assistant coaches, albeit to the NFL, which is, in my opinion, a good thing. That is really, I think, tough for fans. And then you bring in Graham Mertz, a guy who there's definitely some divisive opinions about him. A lot of people outside the program don't necessarily think that they're going to get this guy who's going to come in and throw for 4,000 yards, right? But a lot of people inside the program think that they have a guy who can manage the offense a little bit better. They're high on the additions. They think that they did well in the transfer portal. The guys coming back, they're obviously high on from Jason Marshall to Montrell Johnson and Ricky Pearsall. If all those pieces come together and the improvements come to fruition, they could have a better than six and seven finish. But a lot of question marks for a fan base that was hoping there would be a few less questions after one year with Billy Napier. So this isn't a quarterback battle going into the spring between Mertz and and Jack Miller. Miller is clearly the backup at this point. I'm glad you asked because I don't get that sense at all. I think a lot of people expected Graham Mertz to be, quote-unquote, handed the job. Billy Napier made it clear he doesn't hand anyone jobs, even though going back to last year, Ricky Pearsall comes in from Arizona State and instantly gets the number one jersey, which is a coveted thing within the program, before he's ever practiced with the team. Graham Mertz, that's not the case. This is a guy who's going to have to beat out Jack Miller. I've said time and time that, again, there's kind of an old saying, especially in the NFL, but also in college football, I think that you don't lose your job due to injury. That's the case with Jack Miller. He made an eight-month ascension last year, beat out Jalen Kitna, became the number two quarterback. And last year, guys, he really had no chance of winning that job. Anthony Richardson took the majority of the first string snaps throughout spring camp last year. Then Miller gets hurt in fall camp, has the thumb avulsion fracture, the same injury that Drew Brees had back in 2019, but it was actually a little bit worse for Jack Miller. He still had a tough time gripping the football there in late November, had a not-so-great performance against Oregon State. He's a year ahead of Mertz in terms of familiarity with the personnel, the offense, the system. I think he has a chance still to win the job. It's no one's job. It's no one's you know starting gig right now. There's going to be competition going into fall camp, in my opinion, while Mertz does have the experience and a little bit older, I do see a, a potential where Jack Miller can win the job. I think there are still some questions with Miller. He needs to be better about not getting passes batted down at the line, but he's got a good ball. There's another quarterback i got to mention on the roster before I finish this answer, Michael Leone, a really, really interesting one. If one of those two quarterbacks falter in some sense, they brought in this guy who's in his seventh year of football, played at UConn, was at NC State, former walk-on, doesn't have much action, but he is physically capable, 25 years old, throws an impressive ball in my mind. I'm no coach or serious NFL evaluator, 
But I think the guy throws a pretty impressive ball. I could see a potential where he gets on the field in some capacity. As crazy as that sounds as a walk-on, that's just the state of Florida's quarterback room right now where they didn't add Jaden Rashada and lost a guy after three years and Anthony Richardson who could go within the top five of the upcoming NFL draft. When I think about Florida, you mentioned, you know, they might have three players in the top 60, and obviously Richardson is one of them. But this is Florida, you know, where, where you think there, there's stars at the skill position almost every year. You know, for decades, the best wide receivers and some of the best running backs were Florida Gators. Who are the, the stars on this team? Who are the guys that are going to carry this team from an offensive standpoint? I'm going to say Montrell Johnson. I mean, that guy has been incredible in my mind since he's been in college. Starts out at Louisiana under Napier, has an 800 plusing. Uh, rushing yard season we haven't seen too many of those honestly in Gainesville due to some of the rotations and some injuries within the room has some great success at Florida beats out some older guys in Lorenzo Lingard and Naquan Wright is the first string back for the team last year has some ways to improve still now in his third year needs to become better at becoming a pass catching back but he is a tremendous option. He is going to absolutely break off some big runs for the Gators this year and Billy Napier is a run first head coach before he got here most of his offenses hovering around 50 to 60 percent split of run pass that is a guy who likes to run the football sometimes slow it down and and eat up clock at times and I think you're going to see the split of Montreal Johnson and Trevor Etienne really lead the way for this offense it's not going to be an offense that expects Graham Mertz to come out and throw for 300 yards for the Gators to win at wide out you get Ricky Pearsall back which is obviously in my opinion I think the biggest win for the returnees, for the Gators, uh, especially on offense. That guy is tremendous. He can get open better than anyone. And then, you know, I'll, I'll mention Arliss Boardingham because Napier loves to run a lot of 12-man personnel. They didn't get the tight ends involved too much last year. They had the two returning guys go down in spring camp. Dante Zanner's working his way back. But Keon Zipper, Florida's leading pass-catching tight end last year, gone for the season with a torn ACL. So one of those younger guys, they have five underclassmen, is going to have to step up. I think Arliss Boardingham is going to be the guy who actually makes an impact in the pass-catching game. From what I've heard, kind of a Kyle Pitts light in terms of his athleticism and how he can get open. Not as big as Kyle Pitts, but a guy who can get open and make some catches and has some speed. And I can see him being used this season in the offense for Florida to have some success in the pass-catching game. Those are the big ones. I also mentioned freshman Andy Jean. A lot of people high on him and what he can do this year as a true freshman early enrollee. That's Florida's situation right now. They lost four receivers from last year's team, so a lot of guys looking to step up this year. Arliss Boardingham is just a great A-tier name. (laughs) Absolutely. We're putting him in the top tier of names. Um, A name that Mississippi State fans, or at least people here in the state of Mississippi, might be familiar with is Austin Armstrong. Was at Southern Miss last year, did a great job with their defense. Takes a job at Alabama as an assistant coach, but when Florida's defensive coordinator job comes open, that's that's a pretty meteoric rise. You know, Last year, he was a group of five coordinator. Now he's one of the top programs in the country's defensive coordinator. What do you expect from this Florida Gator defense that struggled at times last year under this new coordinator? I definitely think the meteoric rise is a good way to frame it, but the context I think is a little bit uh, more interesting. This is a guy that, as you know, up there at Southern Miss, he was the youngest defensive coordinator two years ago in the nation. So he's had the limelight on him for, what, 700-plus days, goes to Alabama, has worked at Georgia under Kirby Smart, 
goes to Alabama this past offseason for what all of two weeks and was used to kind of being there in the inside linebackers room. Florida instantly identified him as the ideal replacement for Patrick Tony when Tony left for the NFL. And the reason why that they zeroed in on him right away is because there was strong belief from what I've gathered that there were still other programs, power five programs looking to poach Armstrong this offseason if Florida didn't come calling with that defensive coordinator job. That's how highly coveted apparently this guy is. And whether he lives up to those high expectations, I think obviously remains to be seen a little bit unproven in the SEC, but a very, very confident guy, high energy, makes you want to play for him, has gained the respect of those within the defense in just, what, a month in Gainesville. And I think the most important thing is that it's not going to be, even though it is a quote-unquote new defense and there's some complex elements and Florida's going to be multidimensional and kind of all three levels of the defense, I think that there's a lot of similarities between Austin Armstrong and Patrick Tony. Those guys are like, I got to say, those guys are kind of like best friends. Uh, not to say that, you know, there's any vouching for necessarily here, but Patrick Tony has clearly vouched for Austin Armstrong and the affinity that Armstrong had for Tony and his system and his terminology, I think has made it kind of a seamless transition in a sense. I know people throw that phrase around a lot, but that really is what it is here. And I think that kind of speaks obviously to how much fraternity elements there are here in college football. But it's one of those ways when you're a program like Florida, where the NFL calendar has been pushed back a year with that extra game and you lose a coach right before spring camp, sometimes you need to rely on some familiarity elements, whether it's Austin Armstrong coming in, a defensive coordinator, or Billy Gonzalez coming back for his third stint in Gainesville. I mean, guys, I've been here nine years. I didn't think I would cover Billy Gonzalez again, but he is back at the program. You know what he did at Mississippi State, especially during that, what, 2016 season, I believe, where that offense was fantastic, broke so many records. He comes back again, and part of the reason, I think, for that was his familiarity with Gainesville, the, the personnel having been here, what, 16 months ago, and you lose a guy right before spring camp and don't replace them until the middle of spring camp, you maybe need to rely on some familiarity, whether that's Gonzalez or Austin Armstrong, or even retaining and elevating a guy like Russ Calloway, who's Florida's new tight ends coach. Last question, and this is what we're asking everybody who does the, the spring previews with us. When we get to November, you know, final week of the regular season after the Florida-Florida State game, what are we saying about the Gators? That's a really tough question, honestly. I'm glad you're asking everyone. Um, I hope that you don't save this and hold it over my head when Florida... I'm, I'm straight to old takes exposed on every one of them, yeah. <laughs> I, there's a part of me that respects it because you got to hold us over the fire to what we predict. You can ask me a prediction at any time, and I have no problem being wrong, and I try not to gloat when I'm right. But right now, unfortunately, and Florida fans may not want to hear it, but there are so many unproven elements on this team. The additions, the amount of attrition from last year... I have a lot of unknowns right now where it's hard for me to see Florida right now doing better than seven and five in 2023. There's about six teams on that schedule that have a case to be ranked within the top 25 if they aren't already. If you put any stock into those way too early top 25 rankings that come out around this time of year, I think that that alone having to go out to Utah, they're going to potentially uh, more than likely actually start a true freshman at left guard in that game out there at Utah. 
all the elements for this team. This could be kind of a little bit more of a foundational year than a lot of people were hoping for when many people were expecting Billy Napier to have that jump from year one to year two that he had at Louisiana, where he goes from seven and five to winning double digit, uh, having double double digit win seasons for three straight years. I don't know if that's going to happen right now in the SEC. You can't obviously say that's a seamless transition to use that callback right there. I do think that six and six, seven and five is more likely right now than eight and four, nine and three. Not to say that they can't do that because crazy things happen. And a lot of Florida's games last year came down to just a couple of plays. And they ultimately were in three games last year on the very final play. So you're talking about three plays technically being the difference between a nine and three season and the six and six finish. So with that being said, I do think that Florida right now, I'm going to say seven and five. If they are seven and five heading into that bowl game, I actually do think that there's a very optimistic perspective you can have about that, given the amount of questions and how this coaching staff has adapted and how players improved upon last season if they do that. But there will be a lot of disappointment if Florida looks stuck in the mud and goes six and six or worse potentially this season, because that does not look like the improvement that this coaching staff and these personnel in Gainesville think that they are making right now as spring camp approaches its conclusion tomorrow. Yeah, I sort of took my follow-up question there. When you said seven and five, my my ears perked up a little bit, but you know, I, I would imagine that it's seven and five, six and six, year three becomes win nine or you're going to be looking for a job. I do think that there's absolutely a testament to that. Maybe there's a perspective where there's a understanding that the SEC, and I know that so many people say this, but maybe you guys will, will not rip me to shreds for, for being a little bit biased here. So many people say that the SEC is harder. And even if you're winning eight games, you're doing a lot of things right. And a lot of those games are coming down to a couple of plays. And that's sometimes the difference of, of being Texas A&M and being Georgia is just a couple of plays. I know that Texas A&M fans love to say that, and Georgia fans don't want to believe that, but that's the reality. Kirby Smart, I know that he won double-digit games in Athens almost immediately there, but it took him six years to get over the top, and I do think that there are Florida fans, especially recently, under Jim McElwain, Will Muschamp, especially uh, under Dan Mullen, who even if they win double-digit games, they're not going to be happy. They're only going to be content with winning the SEC and competing for a national championship, getting to the college football playoff, which Florida has not done. If they can do that under Napier, whether it takes three, four, five years, I think that people will be content. Whether they're patient enough to see through this process remains to be seen. Scott Strickland, to bring the last Mississippi State connection in here, yeah. he, I have a lot of respect for him, and I think he knows that. But the reality is, the narrative is that he needs a success at coach. Jeremy Foley did a really great job at hiring coaches at Florida, built them into an all-around program. There's a reason why they have as many national championships and especially as SEC championships across just, what, 21 sports as they do, while the football success has kind of fallen by the wayside for the last decade. It's because of the coaching across those sports. That hasn't been the case necessarily under Scott Strickland, not to put all the blame on him whatsoever, but he has to have a, a hit in many of the eyes of the fan base when it comes to hiring a head coach. And so maybe due to that, Napier gets a little bit longer of a leash than many people would think on the outside. They have $50 million tied to Billy Napier. I would not be shocked if he does go into year four, just like Dan Mullen did 
and gets a little bit more time um, because I think that there are some factors here where you can't just absolutely judge it by what many think in the college football sphere, if that makes sense. Yeah. We shall see. Florida will be, like I said, a very interesting team to watch this year as they try to uh, to rebound from a disappointing 2022. Graham Hall, Swamp 24-7. Great stuff, man. Really appreciate your time. Always my pleasure. Got to do it again. Y'all take care up there. All right. Thanks to Graham. Appreciate his time. Robbie, he said that, you know, this could be a 7-5, and 6-6 six and six year for the Florida Gators. They just have so many questions and, and, and you know, to me, that immediately lends itself to Billy Napier being on the hot seat. You know, I thought Anthony Richardson was a – I mean, obviously the athleticism and the skills and the tools are there with him, right? Mm-hmm. But not the play. Didn't play well for most of the season. And I feel like with Graham Mertz or Jack Miller, whoever they pick, that's it's going to be a step backwards for this Florida offense. I, I I'm with him in that that prediction just because I, I don't I don't see a whole lot of success on the horizon for Florida this year. It's sort of funny how that program just doesn't seem to have elite players right now. And I mean, I guess I shouldn't be too surprised because they hired a coach who we all said, hey, he's not a great recruiter. And now they're sort of paying the price for that. I mean, this is just it blows my mind, man. And like he's not gonna be afforded the time to slowly build that program. No. And I mean, honestly, what are we talking about? Like, there it's not like they, they haven't had talent. You know, they haven't had the talent that they want. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, I mean, you know, Mississippi State's averaging seven to eight wins with classes that are ranging from 25 to 32. Mm-hmm. So, you know, Florida, a lot of times playing basically the same or a similar schedule, they shouldn't have years like this. Mm-hmm. And this is going to be, what, three straight years but with you know mediocre to bad teams? Yeah. That's not, that is not going to fly over there. I mean, you're talking, you know, in the, in the COVID year, in 2020, they won the East, and they, when they went eight and four, which isn't a great season at Florida, even when winning the East. You know? yeah. And then six and seven, six and seven, and now we're talking about them doing that kind of, 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 of work again. That's tough. And he, he took over a roster that was ranked 14th yeah. in talent. Yeah. Well, I mean, so it's, I got, mean, he's got a quarterback that's going to be a top 10 pick. And I, I mean, the fact that you, he didn't play well, that's on you as a coaching staff for not, for not finding a way to unlock the talent, in my opinion. Yeah, it is. I mean, at the end of the day, that, that kind of falls on you. And that, I mean, Dan Mullen partly to blame for that, mm-hmm. but. At the same time, I mean, I, I don't know how good Anthony Richardson is going to be. I, I I get everybody slobbering over the 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 skill set and all right. that, but right. you know, and the, the other day, man, look at this throw he made in pro day. He threw it seventy yards. Okay, well, Jamarcus Russell did that too. Yeah, Zach Wilson did that. How that like happened. and like I mean that we've got to move. Past, this is an argument for another day. We got to move past just like the tools. Like there, yeah. there's got to be something to what they did because right. he was going up. We talked about this yesterday about Will Levis and the same thing with Anthony Richardson. He's going up against future NFL players. I mean, right. every single week he's playing at least two to three NFL guys mm-hmm. and was not good. Was not I mean, successful. Are, are you expecting him just to automatically click? I mean, no. it, we could blame Napier and them for that, but maybe he just doesn't have it. I don't know. But at the same time, I mean, this, this team, I mean, you cannot – put another year like that out there. And 
I mean, you, you, you talk about, you know, he's not a great recruiter, but they still recruited this year, what, the top 15? I think so, yeah. That's, I mean, that's not that's not great for them, but if Mississippi State had a top 15 class, they'd be doing a lot with that, I think. I, I but, agree with that, so we'll see what Napier's happens. always been kind of a polarizing guy. Yeah. Um, you know, he's been a guy like a lot of state fans warned him. And I think he would have done okay here. He would have been very similar to Dan Mullen, I think. But for a program like Florida, I just don't know if it's going to work. Yeah. We'll I, th- I think we would have seen some signs last year. Yeah. I mean, look at Brian Kelly. Yeah. Immediately took over and got them into the SEC championship game. Immediately. With so, a quarterback that is not not very he efficient. Won't be, he, he's not as talented. He doesn't have the same talent base that Richardson does. So, yeah. No. All right, next week, speaking of the LSU Tigers, we'll get them in Kentucky. So two MSU opponents uh, back back with us next week on the spring wraparound. We'll continue that. As far as baseball goes tomorrow, we'll we'll look deep into that. I'm also going to get Richard on the phone, and we'll uh, we'll have his uh, thoughts on the Ole Miss Rebels. It's, a, it's such a weird series. The last two defending national champions and loser of this series is not playing any kind of postseason baseball, in my opinion. So we'll see. And there's still uh, going to be like – 11,000 yeah, plus. Huge crowds, yeah. So we'll see, I guess. Guys, have a great Thursday. Robbie and I will be back with you on Friday. Oh, Robbie Clark, I'm Brian Hayden. Thanks for Thunder and Lightning on Super Talk. Your ass better call somebody. Talk Mississippi Media Production.